prayer is not only the first one was who God is, the second one is who we are. We hammered this on Sunday. I'm going to rehammer it and expand it a little bit. And I hope you'll, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, help us get our hearts and minds around this reality. This would be more than words. Something would hit in us about a, a process of becoming. We've been so focused on what we do. I pray your church would become, and then she will do. And so, Holy Spirit, help us uh, yeah, see what you've made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe, number one, with all my heart, prayer is arguably one of, if not the most human thing we do as creatures made by a creator who wants relationship with us. Does that sentence make sense to you? It's so important to me because of the, and I said it on Sunday, it's farthest extreme is Gnosticism and mysticism and spiritualism. That's funky stuff. But there's all kinds of iterations in between that separate prayer from real humanity. Prayer is what I do when I'm in the spiritual realm. I'm being, I don't think that's true. Um, prayer is, to pray is to be human. We, we pray, we, we, we pray because we're creatures made by a God that wants to talk to us. So he wants relationship. He wants to dialogue and your humanity has not come to its full bloom unless you're engaged. So when God came to save us, right, he became a human. And that human Late, he was divine the whole time, I believe Philippians 2. He set down his privileges of deity, moved by the power of the Spirit as a humble servant, right? And he's constantly praying. Or let me say this, he's constantly talking to God. Prayer is what we call relating with God. Get it there. And so I, I'm, I'm just hammering this everywhere because there's so many, I think, that think that the, one of those delusions, there's intercessors and prayers in the church. What? No, no, there's humans in the church, redeemed humans who are being recovered out of their unhumanity into their humanity by relating with divinity that gives them life and causes them life. Amen? You good? So this is a big deal for us as we relate. So God, number two, God placed eternity in our hearts, Ecclesiastes 3.11, Solomon, and he put this eternal, God-shaped, passionate desire to reach outside of yourself. And every human, by the way, is reaching outside themselves. The atheist reaches for education and bows down before it and worships it. His knowledge that there is no God. He's doing what he was made to do. He's just off kilter, right? Sin, you know what sin means? It's an archery term, right? It means to miss the mark and of the glory of God. And the glory of God in us is that we become who he made us to be. And so Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. It says in Acts 17 that... He determined, as we said on Sunday, the, the boundary lines. Did you know that? The boundary lines and the portions and the people and the generation you are so that every human being, he strategically placed them in human history and geographically is what he's saying so that they would somehow feel their way toward him. That's what it says in Acts 17. So he would, so he put, I don't know, I'm just saying this now, but your generation and race and life right now is the greatest attractional ministry there is for your human heart. You weren't to be born 30 years ago or 70, 80, two, three centuries as an Asian, okay? You, you're, this is what would most reach you. That's what it says. He determined the boundaries and all that so you would lean toward, so you'd be a, 
druggie on the campus of whatever you did out in California and in the Jesus movement and lean toward this weak Canadian. You see? Everybody's got their stories, and your stories are really his engagement of you in a spiritual way. So God has been proportioning or putting all these things around you uh, to draw you in. So prayer is actually, I believe, an identity before an activity. And we, we, we showed you this verse. I don't know if this is going to be new to people or it was new to you, but Psalms 109.4, the common in all your translations is going to be in return for my love, David said. They accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. If you have an ESV and some other translations, there's a little note by it that'll say, actually what it says is, in return for my love, they accuse me, but I am prayer. And by the way, it's I prayer. Am is actually inferred, like I'm prayer. is what he, And it is what he's saying, but am's not actually. It's, in return for my love, they accuse me, I prayer. Yes. What? Yes. This is an iCloud kind of thing. I could go again with some kind of... <laughs> I prayer, I... This is where you'll find me. My enemies who are accusing me are going to find me not fighting with them, not doing whatever. They will find me refuging in Yahweh, talking with him. My conversation, man, can you imagine what would happen in the church? We stop talking about each other and start talking to him about each other. That's why I, tell, I almost wish with people that go to complain to people, I wish they were required to pray a hundred times for people before they take a complaint to them. You require, give me the record of when you did it, and then I want to hear your heart after you're done. Because the Father's in love with the people you don't like. I mean, he loves them. He wants, they're irritating, and they're making your life tough, and he loves them. Loves them through the blood of his son. He loves them. And once you touch his heart, something begins to happen inside you, and you become prayer. You become the manifestation of the heart of God. We are his visitation. What a great question that was. And we carry his manifesting heart to the nations and to those around us. So prayer is an identity, not an activity. I don't know if you've worked through that before, but um, it's a powerful thing to go, I am prayer. I don't just do prayer, I am prayer. We're going to say it, and I said Sunday I would do this. On the count of three, we're all going to practice saying it. I am prayer. Ready? One, two, three. I am prayer. We're going to do it two more times. We're going to do it two more times because then you'll have it. One, two, three. I am prayer. Huh. And here we go. One, two, three. I am prayer. Most of our thought about prayer is, how can I get more prayer done? How can I be more effective in my prayer? Do, 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 do. We're do, doing all over the place. And he wants us to be, be. I need you to be. I need you to be new creation. I need you to be in union with me and live from the union. We're still, some, so many are still trying to get close to God. We'll use that phrase sometimes. That should never be used in New Covenant Christianity. Get close to God. He's in, you're not in, if you're not saved, then yeah, I get it. But if you're born again, 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, He who joins himself with the Lord is one in spirit. We abide in him, he abides in us. Paul's favorite phrase, his motif of his apostolic ministry is in Christ over 200 times. Yeah. 200 times in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. He didn't release blessing and a ticket to heaven. He came in us. And so we, well, let me, let me keep going. <laughs> the house of God, and Ryan hit this, is called a house of prayer. Isaiah 56, 7, you'll remember Matthew 21, 13. I don't have those verses in there. You can look at that. My house shall be called a house of 
yeah, it doesn't say loved and say justice, and all those things are included in this. But it is interesting that the only other name for the ecclesia is there'll be a house of prayer. And like Joshua, who said, as for me and my house, right? He didn't mean his tent, his brick and mortar. He meant my family. My house is my family. And Jesus is saying that my family will be a family of prayer. And what I found at the beginning of my ministry, John 2, and I found in Mark 11 and Matthew 21, the end of his ministry, is I found a family at the center of their worship not talking to me. They were doing a, listen, they were doing a ministry monologue and there was some money changing going on, funky stuff, but I don't think that was the only funky. I don't think it was just because people were kind of ripping people off. That's not good. But I think the main act of treason was they were not talking to the father in the house. Because if you talk to the father, the father talks back and you tend to not rip people off. And so that's the egregious thing that's going on. And he'll prophesy in Matthew 24, this house is going to be gone. And it was in 37 years, 70 AD, Titus tore that sucker down. But he wasn't building that house anymore. He calls us the house. And I got the verses there, 1 Corinthians 3.16, Ephesians 2.21. You together are being built together to be a dwelling place of God. There's my verses for you, sister. We are the visitation. He's building. God has a great building program, and it's you. Living stones that he's building together, and he's dwelling in right now, and that's a different kind of conscious thing. So that makes prayer an identity, not just an activity of the church. So if I, and I want you to look at me just a minute. I'm going to try to express this, but because I, I got to go off on some other things, and then we'll get to ministry time. Hey, is everybody okay? I'm going to try to be done by 830, but I'm just telling you it's not going to happen. Because <laughs> you keep asking questions and leaning in and amening me. And if you got to go, you can go. What's that? You're used to that? Yeah. Discipleship. Discipleship. If you got kids and stuff, I just want to give that free, and that's not going to offend me mostly if you leave. Um, but I just want to look at this. Listen, listen, listen. All of you have mostly been under the oppression of an enemy. Of course, you struggle because this is about your humanity. The devil hates your humanity and is attacking your prayer life. He, he, the best way to pervert your humanity is not just to get you to do certain dark sins. It's to cut you off from divinity. That's the egregious thing. If you stop from the flow of where life and righteousness comes from, you will do what humans do. There's a law of sin and death. So the enemy is working against your abiding life, not just your righteous life. He, what, you're, you're abiding in the vine. The fruit will come if you abide. I've told some people, my whole ministry is about this connection right here. If this is a vine and this is a branch, my whole ministry is this point right here. This is what we're talking about right now. The connection point. He'll talk about that in Colossians. You've lost connection with the head because of some heresies that were going on. We've got to keep pastors and shepherds to be primarily gardeners. They're trying to keep their people connected to the head. We're trying to get everybody to do stuff. We need them to become something, and then they will do. How do you... So, so I've had some people like, man, if you get everybody praying, Sam, it's prayer, prayer. Some guys in there, Sam does the prayer movement, but then we've got to do the mission stuff too. I'm like, it ain't a prayer movement if there's no mission. Are you kidding me? This is the best way to get the missions movement is we go touch the one who has a heart for the nations and my neighbors. I touch him, I do real prayer, and then it manifests out as I become what he is. So 
I just need to say, we're, we're going to set identity, but I, your sin problem, your feeling far from God problem, the lies and arrows, I mean, they're just a fiery arrows flying through the air of trying to hit all of your content, whatever, distractions to get you to either deny being with God, not praying, or to twist what praying is, where he can manipulate you in the religious spirit of guilt, you're not doing it, or pride, you're pulling it off better than anybody else. He's going to get you either way. If he can get you to make it about activity, then you're either going to stink at it and feel shame, or you're going to do better than Ryan, which is not a big deal, right? (laughs) And then you're going to feel pride like I do. So when you start getting this to an identity, I am prayer. I am the place that prayer happens. Because not only are you this in your humanity, but by your redemption, there's a constant prayer meeting going on inside you. It's happening right now. Look at me. Look at me. You've all got burning incense inside your heart right now. God didn't go quiet inside you. Like he's talking in me and not in you. You've got a prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit's alive and activated, moving with the Father and the Son inside you right now. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Hey ah. Sam, Sam, can you yeah. can you get a little bit more on that? Yeah. You you mentioned this at one of the other prayer encounters. Like God's talking to you right now, even as you're yeah. yeah. So I'm 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 double yay triple dialoguing right now. Let's just do double. I'm talking to you and thinking, and you're looking at me, and I see you looking at me, and I'm thinking words and I'm saying them. But I've got an inner dialogue going on with me right now in the Holy Spirit. He's talking to me. I'm kind of picking up on some of what he's saying. Hopefully, it's jumping into my vocal cords and coming towards you. Some of it's a little bit about coming up next. I'm thinking about where we're going to be in 10, 15 minutes. Uh, He's thinking about it. But I'm in the middle of dialoguing with you, and I'm also dialoguing with him at the same time. Because I pray without ceasing. Paul said, pray without ceasing. How do you do that? Changing diapers and washing dishes. You don't just bow down constantly. (laughs) You, You have an inner dialogue. And the inner dialogue is not just I'm saying words. Many times prayer is like this. Uh, uh. It's Romans 8. Moans and groans that we do not know how. I'm telling you, I think God, some of the most pleasurable prayers is when he hears us groaning. When we moan, we just lean our heart. And I'm working, I'm working, I'm doing, I'm in the relationship. There's the tension. I'm in my humanity. There's all kinds of distraction. But I'm, I'm praying. You are prayer. You are a walking prayer meeting. Now, whether you're getting in on it or not, that's, that's what we're doing here. I'm trying, like we said, we'll start a lot of our, our prayer meetings during the week going, Lord, we join what's already been going on for all eternity. Hallelujah. We didn't start a prayer meeting here. We joined the eternal prayer meeting. And you're in it right now. You're in it. You're in it because you're in him. That's a wild thought. And you need to meditate it and think it because you've got a come and go mentality instead of a I'm in. That's a big, that's a different mentality. And there are habits created in this come and go. Flip the switch off, do they know, turn the door off, do that. We've done that with our holiness, we've done it with all sexuality, we've done it with our whole thing. We've got this shut, like we're shutting God out. It's all a delusion. He's in the room when you're doing righteous, he's in the room when you're sinning. And you know what he's doing? He loves you. Ah, he's not ready to smoke you. He, he loves you and he's wooing and he hates your sin because it's perverting your heart and taking from his pleasure and your pleasure. He wants maximum pleasure. That's what he wants. And so that's a different take on sin. I'm screwing up. They're going to catch me. I'm not, blah, blah. Stop it. 
Of course you're a screw-up. You're more, I love this guy. Here's good news. You're worse than you ever thought you were. Here's the second piece of good news. He's better than you've ever dreamed of. They're both true. You've not even scratched the surface on how bad you are. And you've not scratched the surface on how good he is. And where sin increases, grace increases all the more. I, tell, I said this Sunday, I, or no, no, I did it over at a Marty Freeman's church. He put a clip out. I was like, that's a pretty good clip. It wasn't just my sweater. It was pretty good. But I said, some of you think your sin is what's going to get you in trouble. I'm telling you, it's your sin that's in trouble. Sin's, grace is coming after your sin. It's coming after it. And it will win. I believe. Grace, he who started good work in me will bring it to completion. All right, and I, you've got to repent and agree and confess. I'm with you, but I'm telling you, he is the hound of heaven that will not give up. He's coming after that affection in your heart. He wants maximum pleasure for him, maximum for you, and it will be good. Stop. Inter- I have other things to say. Number five, the prayers of the church have not only affected but literally changed human history. Wars, cultures, world leaders, da-da-da-da, weather patterns, blah-blah-blah, solar systems. Joshua stopped the solar system through prayer. You know it. i got to move on. Six, the prayers of the saints are revealed in the book of Revelation. Everybody go to Revelation 8 real quick. I want us to meditate this for a moment, and then we'll, I'm going to sum this up. Revelation 8 is a summation of the rest of the whole book, I believe. It's the seventh seal where the most unusual thing happens of all the seals. You remember what it is? When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was... Silence in heaven for half an hour. What did that sound like? Raging heaven. Seventh seal, bam. 30 minutes, silence, two. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar, the eighth angel, with a golden censer or scoop, you can think. And he was given much incense to offer with what? And on the golden altar. So there's the throne. Daniel has a a fiery river coming out from it. I don't have time to unpack it. But there's a golden altar right there. And there's this stuff called incense and yours and I's prayers. On the golden altar. And the smoke, verse 4, of the incense with the prayers of the saints. Look, rose before God. From the hand of the angel. Listen, your prayers and the incense, all that together is first for the pleasure of God. And then, watch what happens. The angel took the scoop, the censer, filled it with fire from the altar where the, you know, Yahweh's just breathing it in. He's loving it. And then the, the angel scoops it, fills it with fire from the altar and threw it where? And this is the summation cliff notes of the rest of your book of Revelation. There were peals and thunders and rumblings and flashes of lightning and earthquake. And you're going to get the trumpets and the bowls of wrath and the full wrath and glory of God is going to break the Antichrist kingdom, hold upon the earth, and we're going to a new heaven and a new earth. And you're part of it. You're part of it. Your prayers are on an altar bringing pleasure to Yahweh who sniffs in the smoke of it. Then they're being scooped up and hurled. Uh, your prayers bring about the end of the world. Your prayers bring about the end of a world that needs to end. 
so that we can start the new one in the way this was always supposed to be. This is a 6,000 year, you do what you want to do with time, little delay in what the main deal was. We're going to get back to where Adam and Eve were and yay beyond that because we'll be in the Trinitarian connection, Christ in us, us in him, bringing forth the end of the age. I think it's important that you pray. You are his partners in bringing this about. Number seven, the church will by gospel preaching, Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom be preached all the way the end of God. And through prayer, Matthew 6, 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. With the Holy Spirit crying out the great duet from heaven and earth, the spirit and the bride will say come, and they will usher in the king of the universe. Christ will move from the right hand of the Father into the earth realm, for the final battles of Armageddon, however you interpret all that, but he's going to take up his throne in Jerusalem. And heaven and earth are going to be together, and your prayers are connected to it. You're preaching your prayers. We are an eschatological people. What did he say? Eschat Everybody on the count of three say eschatological. I'm kidding. Don't say it. You use it all the time in theology, but it's the, it's the last things. We're an end-time people. We're an end-time. You can say, I'm not into the end times. Uh, well, you're not into you then or into God. God, you are made for the end times. We're to end this time and start the next time. We're all about that. This is not, if you're not about the end times, then you've made ugh, a deal with a dark age. If you just want a little rich, little church, little kids do well, and that's what you want out of this age, you have missed the point of why we're here. We are here to bring the end of the age. We may lose our lives doing this, but we live forever and reign with him. And then I'm going to repeat my point, my last point from the last one. Ready? Yeah. Repeating, through redemption, we've been invited into the Trinitarian relational dialogue and partnership. Mm. By our union with Christ, a little more I'm going to say here, by the Holy Spirit. And in this union, we're caught up in their intimacy. John 15, 9, oh my. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in this love and in intercession. And it talks about the Spirit interceding and Jesus interceding. Mm. So we've been caught up into that. Amen. In 1 Corinthians, the most troublesome book of the New Testament, all the trouble, the constant mon apostolic mantra from Paul to all these people getting drunk at communion, sexual immorality, division, it's just over and over. What, you remember the trouble. The constant apostolic mantra is, don't you know who you are? Not... Look, stop bad behavior, do good behavior. Don't you know who you, you'll judge angels. You're suing each other and you're going to judge the eternal court cases of angelic beings. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 3, don't you know you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. He just keeps saying over and over and over. What he's saying is y'all are in a massive identity crisis over there. You're acting like worldly fleshy men and you're spiritual men and women. And he'll say it in 1 Corinthians 1. He's about to deal with all that junk. He's pretty happy about them. Hey, I'm writing you, Corinthians. I love you. I love you. You that are all implanted in Christ, gifted in Christ. It's awesome. Now, let me talk to you. They left me a list of questions, things that are going on over there. And here's the deal. You've forgotten who you are. Carnality, you're operating from a wrong identity, from a wrong root, and thus you're producing that kind of fruit. If I can get you rooted, you will do the fruited. Rooting is the deal. Fruiting will come. 
We're all working on fruiting, and I just challenge anybody to go home tonight and make an apple. Good luck. <laughs> You're going to need yourself an apple seed and an apple tree to get yourself an apple. You with me? There's the law of the seed, and there is a seed, the seed of Christ that's in us. And the blessing will manifest through us if we get ourselves in alignment with this thing. So we got to stop colonizing in these buildings and just trying to do church when we be church. We is the church. We is. We are it. And we take it everywhere we go. It manifests wherever we are. And then, oh, yeah, we'll get to get on Sunday and come in here and have a leadership meeting. Of the people who are going to rule the world, that's what you're going to do. You're going to rule the world. We're having leadership meetings to bless you. I'm not trying to help you modify your behavior. We want to help you accept who he says you are and what he's made you. And then get you out as fast as we can. So you can manifest that all over the place. Amen. That's a lot of information, conferences. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. I pray these guys be good Bereans. Check everything that's been said. Not just because it's got zeal and the guy's got some energy. I pray it be testified in your word. And that your Holy Spirit would seal these things in us deep. In Jesus' name. Um, it's 836 and I'm going to take just a few more because i got to minister this into you. Everybody in here that's felt the crisis of identity. Identity crisis looming on you, warring against you. If you felt that, would you please stand up in any measures? Um, listen, the Holy Spirit feels more zeal about this than you do. He's way more concerned about this than you are, and he's not mad. He's really thrilled. And he wants to set you free. Set you free from patterns of thinking. Set you free from, from practices. I'm telling you, he's going to set you free. And it's going to start. You need to retrain your brain. Everybody say, I'm going to retrain my brain. Think of me, Sam. I'm your little theological therapist here tonight. And I'm just telling you the truth. Because the father of all lies has been lying and lying and lying. And trying to convince us it's the truth. Look at me. Y'all better stand. Look at me. You are the righteousness of God. Yes. Not because of anything you do, but because of who he is. Yes. You already are. And then your behavior is catching up with it. Give it time. It's going to catch up. Because he is zealously committed to sanctifying your sexuality. He's, he's zealously committed to sanctifying your relationships and all this stuff. He's going, I'm telling you, he's, he's doing this. And so, um, believe me when I say, he will finish what he starts. And so, Father God, those are sitting down, if you want to extend a hand toward those standing up, and we're praying for you. Father God, in Jesus' name, touch the, these hungry ones that are, that, that, that are aware of the, yeah, and, and ones in turmoil. In the name of Jesus, break in. And would you begin to free us from funky thinking? You're being renewed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Would you renew minds in here tonight? Something happened in here. 
power and the word of God and what we're doing, I just pray this cause transformation. No more just information for us, transformation of our thinking and of our emotions, our affections. Set people free from lies. And so what I'm going to do, there's no way we do this right now, guys, but stay with me. I'm going to pray this real quick. Holy Spirit, the great teacher, would you begin a process of showing these guys what lies they're believing? You know better than any of them. What lies they're constantly coddling and engaging their faith with. Break lies off of them in Jesus' name. I'll always be that. I'll always do that. I'll never be this. I'll never be that. Break lies off of them. And begin to baptize afresh their minds and hearts with the truth. Wash us with the water of the word, we pray. Pray for those particularly that are leaning in earnestly right now. Meet that earnestness, I pray. Hang on. But give them grace to not so much lean forward but fall back into you. I just pray effort wouldn't block them receiving the grace of God. Everything we're talking about right now is a free gift to be received. And so, Lord, I thank you, God, for what you've given to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.